Welcome to This Week from the Principal's Desk, a podcast about Lutheran schools and their leadership. This podcast was hosted by two Lutheran school principals, but there is a, a title change. I am now the, uh, this is Rob Lunak from Milwaukee. I am the superintendent of Lutheran Neighborhood Schools, which is a new system of Lutheran micro schools that we're starting, so that's exciting. But it is also still hosted by the great Mike Scheman. Well, I don't know who that guy is, but my name's Mike Scheman, and I'm still the principal at Bethany Lutheran School in Parma, Ohio. And uh, Rob, it's, uh, I know that uh, I wish you all of God's blessings in your new role. I think it's super exciting to be on the cusp of starting something new in Milwaukee, and, and I know that God's going to bless you and, and your ministry as you take that on. So thank uh, you. Congratulations, and God bless. Yeah, yeah thank you. So today we, uh, we, so Rob and I actually, when we started this podcast, we were in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we were at the Van Lunen Center, uh, an experience for principals, a professional development opportunity. And that was, believe it or not, a year ago. And so we, as we sit here tonight, we are once again in Grand Rapids, Michigan for the, the other part of this cohort. And it's kind of neat because today there were some wonderful sessions that were presented to us. And one of them I know really resonated with me. And so we got out the equipment and thought, it's time to podcast about this particular one. And actually, um, maybe to start, I can tell a quick story, because uh, before I was principal in, in Ohio, I was principal in the Portland, Oregon area, and I still vividly remember an administrator's conference, and this was back in 2018, and we were meeting as a group of administrators at Concordia, Portland, and we had a speaker who came in, and he was talking to us a lot about uh, how to respond to conflict within Lutheran schools. And at the time, the point that he kept driving home over and over again was that disagreement does not equate to hate. That so often we, we take disagreements or conflicts as something that is personal, when maybe that's not what's intended to be received, or if we're the one initiating, that's not what we intend to give off. Now, I found that to be really interesting because the date on that, 2018, of course, was before COVID, before the world went through an ultimate conflict and I think changed the outlook of a lot of people. So fast forward to today, here we are um, gathering together with a group of administrators again from around the country, and we're talking about responding to conflict. And I think while the conversation has changed and maybe the context has changed, I would argue that the main point has not. Disagreement still does not equate to hate, but boy, Rob, what do you think? We're seeing that all over our society these days. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I think COVID definitely raised the temperature of everybody in the room to the point where people were getting mad about anything and everything. And it felt like as a principal, everything you did was the wrong thing to do. And I, I can't remember a time before where every decision you made had half of your community mad at you and half of your community in support of you and then mad at the other people who are mad at you. Everyone was upset. And we were dealing with something during COVID. We were dealing with people's lives and livelihoods, right? And people are always going to get really fired up about their religion, their money, and their family. And COVID hit all of those mm -hmm. because it almost became a, a litmus test of how conservative are you and how religious are you? Do you have enough faith in God? And if you wear a mask, do you really have faith? And oh, you're, you're hurting my kid by making them wear a mask or by not making them wear a mask, no matter what you picked as a school it was the wrong answer and the right answer at the exact same time. And so much of that changed. And as principals, we hate uncertainty. I, right? I don't like it, Mike. I'm sure you don't like it. <laughs> Not at all. And that changed so quickly. We were used to speaking from a place of authority, and all of a sudden COVID came up, and none of us were speaking from a place of authority anymore, right? And all we could do 
is approach everything from we are trying to make the best decisions for our community and we are trying to honor our faith through all those decisions. And yeah, it it got to the point where I think people forgot that, that you could disagree without absolutely hating the guts of the person across from you. And I'd love to say that now that we're in 2023 and, and COVID is mostly in the rearview mirror, that we're back to that. But I, I, I don't think we are. I think it's I think it's gotten a little worse. Mental health is now a bigger issue. And I think that there was a lot of stress from the pandemic that people are still dealing with and still carrying around that they will take into decisions for the next five or 10 years. And I'm waiting for the day when we can just bring the temperature down a little bit so people can have those those conversations, not from a place of fear and anger, but from a place of, of curiosity and love, which is where I think we were a little bit before 2020. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I feel like maybe people have even been emboldened um, in, and there's a lot more kind of right fighting or what they deem to be right fighting taking place. But one thing that I've learned is that the conflicts today and, and maybe maybe my eyes were just open to this. Maybe this has always been the way it was, but I feel like today they're more complex than they were before. Um, you have people who have have had various experiences in the in the past four years. Maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they, um, you know, had had some political views challenged. It, it could be a million different things. But one of the things that I found is that when people come at me, I, I find that they're coming a little bit harder. And and maybe that's maybe that's just me. But the emails are more terse. The face-to-face interactions are a little stranger. So the question becomes, how, as a Lutheran school administrator, with the people that God has called you to serve, how do you tone that temperature down? How do you get to the bottom of the root cause of what it is that they're trying to communicate? And how do you love them through it? Now, that that's one question. But the other question is, how do you do that when you yourself are exhausted and maybe feeling the same way. Now you can take COVID out of it, you can take all of the uh, the other controversies out of it, but that question still remains true because 10, five, 10 years from now, it won't be COVID related, but people are still gonna be coming to you looking for compassion, looking for grace, but they may not be trained to speak it well. And so how do you as an administrator grow those big shoulders remembering it, it is the law based of what would Jesus do, but at the same time realizing, you know what, I'm called to love these people, and I won't do it perfectly, and Lord, forgive me for when I don't. But if I can work to model what you have called me to do, that's going to bring down a lot of fences. Yeah, and that's that's really important because so much of your job, uh, so much of the job of a Lutheran leader, Lutheran school leader, is disagreeing with people in a kind way because that's anytime you make a change— not everyone's going to love your change. That's just how it is. Not everyone's going to love it. And the success of that change is how you handle not the people that agree with your change, but the people that don't. Mm-hmm. And being able to to deliver that news or to talk through the questions people have with it and to do it in a way that's not like, well, I'm the boss, so that's too bad. <laughs> because that, that will get you nowhere. That, that will win you no friends. And that will lose you all the arguments because you might win the argument with that person in that moment, but now you've lost the 50 other arguments they're going to have with the people around you where they describe your side as, well, he didn't listen and she was too mean to me and they didn't even let me talk. And that's, that's all you're going to accomplish with that. And I think that we have, as leaders, 
have to take our egos out of all of it, but we get so wrapped up in those decisions because they're personal decisions because we we would never do anything that we thought was the wrong thing to do. Otherwise, why would we do it? And we belabor over these decisions. And we we think about these so much more than I think people give us credit for. We lose sleep over these things. And so when we put something out there and people come back and they don't just disagree with us, we feel like they're making a value judgment about us. And sometimes they go so far as to say it in an email. Uh, gone are the days where people just disagreed by saying, you know, I don't quite disagree with this decision, but I respect your decision. And now it's more like, could you have made a dumber decision <laughs> as a school principal? And it's really hard not to take those personally. And I, I have my fair share of times when I have said something stupid and reacted in a dumb way because I'm not responding through Christ. I'm responding through my ego. And I, I think ego is a really important word to discuss for a minute here because there's there's a real tension. As, as administrators, we don't sit back and think, man, I'm going to make the wrong decision and just force that through today. We want to do what's right. And so I know that a lot of times decisions are made through prayer, through careful deliberation of the facts that are at hand, through all of the information that you have, of course, with the people that you're serving in mind. Yet sometimes those decisions are wrong. So there's, there is a, te- or maybe not wrong, but maybe, maybe a choice was made that you're going to go in a, in a specific direction. But there is a tension for when do you stand your ground and say, I, you know what, I hear you, but we're doing this anyway for these reasons, versus saying, you know what, you bring up some valid points and let me discuss this with the other people involved and maybe, maybe, we, maybe we need to reconsider this. So I think there, there are times when as administrators you have to play both of those cards. Now, if you're going to play the card that says, I'm not budging, this decision is one that we made and I'm sticking to it, I think the question then becomes, we're here to serve your family. I understand this decision isn't working for you. What can I do to help you? And as you keep putting it back in their lap and have them talk it through, the the walls are going to come down in, in a big way. And sometimes it might take time. They might not even know what they want, but they know that they don't like what you just did. But give them some time to process that. And I always think, too, anytime you can do this face to face is way better even than a phone call, and definitely better than an email, and definitely better than a text. So really do as much as you can to relate to people and seek to understand where they're coming from. And if you can understand that, you may not change what you did, but you can certainly empathize with them and then try to help meet their needs in, in other ways. Yeah, one of the things we talk about a lot on this podcast is building strong relationships with the people you serve. And the better relationships you have with the people in your community, when you have disagreements, they are more likely to see you as the person and not you as someone who's making something difficult for them. The example I like to give is if you're driving in traffic and somebody cuts you off, you assume that person is doing it on purpose, they're a terrible driver, they must be a moron, and you have some other words and maybe a hand gesture for them. But that person maybe was changing the radio and didn't notice. Maybe there was a bee in their car. We don't know. Maybe they did cut you off because they're a jerk, but we don't We don't know. We just assume the worst because we have no relationship with that person. So if we have no relationship with the people we are serving, when we make those decisions, they're going to assume the same things, that you don't know what you're doing, that it is personal, that you are making their life harder, and some of that has merit. You might be making their life harder. You might be. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the wrong decision. But also you have to go into those conversations with people from a mindset of curiosity and openness and 
maybe you are wrong. Maybe. If you go into it that there's no way I could possibly be wrong, one, you are not living a faithful life because only one person was ever not wrong, and it's not you. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was Jesus. So you need to go into it with that curiosity and that empathy and ask a lot of questions like Mike said and put it on them and be like, can you please explain this to me? I don't understand. Can you please help me see it from your side? Because from my side, here's what I saw. And open up that dialogue because so much of our Lutheran schooling is based on dialogue and relationship and connection and partnership with teachers and students and parents. And none of that happens. And you won't make any good decisions that are lasting unless you have buy-in and trust from the people around you. And, and the other thing, too, is grace upon grace upon grace. I know there's, I just dealt with something the other day, in fact, where I got a, an email from a parent that came through, and it came through hot. They did not like something that I did. And what did I do? I'm, f- okay, fine, and I emailed them right back. Well, here's what I think about that. And, of course, I was tactful, but I, I'm not going to lie. I had a little snark in there. I, I, I can admit to that, and it was the wrong thing to do. Parent didn't really pick up on it, but came back and shot back with something else. But at the bottom of her email was her phone number. And I thought, hang on a second. This this could be a conversation. And I called her. And now I'm in the middle of summer. Uh, they don't expect that kind of a response that quickly in, in my context. But I called her and I just started with, how are the kids doing? I haven't chatted with you in a long time. I know we're emailing, but forget that for a sec. How are you doing? And when we started talking more about what she cared about the most in the world, her kids... And she saw that I was caring about her kids. The issue that we had became a non-issue at all. I said, you know, listen, I know we're emailing here. Email's just so hard. I thought I would give you a call and explain this. And we had the best conversation, which made me realize I actually read her email wrong. And that was on me. And so sometimes it is a matter of conversations make things go a lot more smooth. But conversations can be hard and we've talked about crucial conversations before and how do you how do you bring those things up not everything reconciles with you know roses and sunshine we we want it to but it doesn't always go that way so sometimes you do need to have hard conversations that really are are exhausting maybe they don't go the way that you want them to go but know that you never do these things alone you god is always there with you and God has promised never will he leave you or forsake you he is by your side so with him we certainly can do all things Philippians 4:13 and he encourages us to be strong and courageous for the Lord our God is with us one of the other key things i think when we're responding to conflict is really taking the time to actively listen uh, there's all the clichés you know we have two ears and one mouth and all that kind of stuff but it it's true if we can listen to what the other person is saying and actively listen, I think we're going to get a lot more out of that. One of the things that I struggle with is when somebody's talking, I'm trying to form my response in my head while they're still talking. And then my response isn't always spot on because I missed half of what they were saying. Or maybe it's not even relevant because they were providing me context and I'm responding to the context and not the the issue. So I encourage people to to take time to process or to repeat back, you know, what it, I, I just heard you say this. Am I hearing you right? And give that parent or or that Uh, staff member, whomever, the opportunity to ensure that you understand what they're saying and then work on your response. Yeah. And that listening part is hard. I struggle with that because I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to win this argument, right? And that is the exact wrong attitude because it is not an argument worth winning. It is a relationship worth maintaining. And I take the exact wrong tact some of the time. One of the things I'll say as just practical advice, if somebody sends you an email 
do not respond to it right away if it's going to get you riled up or get them riled up. Because if they're sending you an email, it's not time critical, I promise. Because they'd call you. If it was, somebody would get a hold of you. In very, very few instances, does an email need an immediate response? And if it's got you fired up, walk away from your computer, go get a drink of water, take a lap around wherever you're at, do not send anything back. Twitter used to do this, where if you replied to somebody too quickly, Twitter was like, whoa, take a break. You sound mad. And I will say the exact same feature should be in every email client for every principal in the world. If you are going to send two emails to a parent within five minutes, stop. Do not do that, especially if it's sensitive. Just give it a break. Wait a day. Maybe call them and see them in person. Because, listen, you will write the wittiest email that you will ever regret (laughs) if you do that. Do do not do that. So yeah, there is there's so much more to this that we could probably have a talk about even specific email etiquette and specific parent meeting etiquette. I think what it all comes down to is you need to approach your community with empathy and love and recognize that they are redeemed children of God just like you are. And they have the best interest for their kid in mind. You might not agree on what that is, especially, I'll say, if it's about the dress code. Everyone's got a thousand ideas about that one. I I burned up some capital when I took a call. The very first thing I did was change, change the dress code. That was, I shouldn't have done that. But now, you know, li- live and learn, right? Our teachers came to me, oh, we need to do this. And I went, okay, yeah, we'll do this. And I didn't talk to any parents. Don't, that's another thing we can talk about later. Don't, don't do that. But approach everything recognizing that they have the best interest of their, kid, of their kid at heart. You have the best interest of their kid at heart. And if you can get through some of the prickliness of conversation and some of the, the tension that we bring into conflict and see that in each other, you're going to have a much better time. And you might not come to an exact understanding, but I think you can both walk away respecting each other and still going, you know, I don't, I don't like the decision. I don't like your opinion but I think we can agree that this is what we're going to do because that's that's what it comes down to. You need to at least reach a point where everybody can move forward whether they like it or don't. Right, and, and what you just said, Rob, I don't like your decision, I don't like your opinion. You never said, but I don't like you, and that's what we're trying to get, get at here is that, you know what, there are in this world, there are some people who, quite frankly, they're just hard to love. I, I know those. I know people like I'm that. I'm hard to love. And I was going to say, I have three, four <laughs> fingers pointing back at me when I point out with, with going the other way. You know what? I, I know that there's days when I'm hard to love too, a lot, um, probably more than I'd even care to admit. But God didn't discard me. God still sent Jesus to die for me. And so the people that you are called to serve are blessings from God. They are going to be difficult from time to time. They are going to disagree with you from time to time. There may even go so far as to be irreconcilable differences. But leave that where it's supposed to lie. And as Rob said, view them as God views them. They are redeemed children, and Jesus came to die for them, just like he did for you. And with with the cross of Christ, we have unity and, and it, it, it's not going to be unity in politics. It's not going to be unity in dress code. It's not going to be unity in a lot of other things. But the one that matters is unity in Christ. And use that as your foundation, and God will bless your efforts. I think that's a great place to end this. Can I close us in prayer today? Please do. Dear Lord, thank you for our disagreements. Thank you for our varied opinions and for our perspectives. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk to one another and to see differently. Thank you for loving all of us, no matter our stripes, our opinions, our friends, any of it. You love us through all of it. Thank you for that. Allow us to be more like you 
and to love each other through our disagreements, and to not view anyone as less than or as an enemy for something that they think, but to realize that through you, we can have harmony and peace. Be with us all, and have a, I guess everyone listening, have a good summer. Amen.